Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of Check Call. Today we're covering the new regulation in California that will require large companies to disclose carbon footprints all the way through scope three. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today we are joined by Rob Cook, the CTO at Sheer Logistics. Welcome to Check Call, Rob. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited about today. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that uh, you, you girl loves a little sustainability conversation. So well, before we get too far into that, why don't you give us a background on you and how you got started at Shear? Absolutely. I've been with Shear for 10 years, uh, around 10 years, uh, pushing close to 30 years of experience in the industry, uh, primarily uh, consulting, uh, work for a transportation management software company previously to join in Shear. Uh, I was attracted to the Shear because uh, our founder, uh, Joe Eggerson, I liked his vision of managed transportation, uh, tech-enabled managed transportation solutions, and the uh, Geek and me uh, decided to jump on, and so been here ten years, like I said, and haven't looked back. I uh, that's kind of a that, I mean, like that seems like it's a good thing that you're you haven't looked back. Also, isn't it kind of funny how all of a sudden those years of experience like creep up on you? You're just like until you sit there and start thinking back, you're like, oh wait, I guess I am that person that has this much experience. That's kind of terrifying. It does have a habit of sneaking up on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like that, uh, what, the days are long, the years are short or something like that. Um, I think they use that for raising kids. But the same situation applies here. Yeah, well, it does. And of course, uh, raising kids can kind of age you a little bit as well. Um, So getting into our sustainability world today and all of that fun stuff. um, One of the announcements that we've seen come out recently is the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. He recently announced that um, there's going to be a carbon footprint disclosure for large companies in California. What kind of, and like, can you just give us a rundown on what this is and what kind of implications are going to come as a result of it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just found the coincidence of that uh, kind of overlap in uh, your net zero summit uh, to be ironic. <laughs> I couldn't believe the timing could be even better than that. Uh, the other thing about it as well, too, uh, uh, there was a couple of articles in the Wall Street Journal kind of citing uh, that new ruling. Um, and then some uh, articles on that piece in terms of the ramifications uh, to shippers uh, as well. And I, I think the uh, the message uh, with both all those articles uh, were the need that uh, now you're going to have to start calculating not just only scope one and scope two emissions, but also scope three emissions. And Galvin Newsom himself said that, that the scope three emissions was probably going to get a lot of pushback because it's by far the more complex piece to actually calculate. Now, you know, we've been doing the scope three pieces now for about five years. And, you know, you get some arguments out there uh, in the journal uh, and with the the announcement about, hey, hey, scope three is next to impossible. But it's very difficult, but it's not impossible to calculate. It's one of those where like it because it, it, scope one and two are pretty easy. You know, they're things that you can control and everything like that. But scope three, it, you rely on other people so much. And so I think that truly 
it's it, it does seem like an uphill task, but I think we're making all large companies in California have to report on this is really kind of bringing that accountability and like the, okay, well, we have to take this seriously. We have to get on board with this now. I think that kind of brings it all in to do something with that because otherwise it's just kind of pulling teeth and like, well, why should I care about this? Why should I do this? Why should I help partner in this? But, you know, obviously being forced to report on it is a pretty good reason for why someone should care about it and get on board with it. Absolutely. And I I think it was a a shot across the bow or a wake up call for American companies. I I mean, you're going to look in Europe and obviously, you know, they're way ahead of us. There's a lot of acronyms out there, CRSD reporting requirements. There's certainly a lot of reporting requirements that's coming down the pipe and in the U.S. And I, I just feel like that was a wake up call that, hey, at the very least, you need to establish a baseline of what's going on out there. And, you know, and you, you mentioned scope one, two, and three. It's, I, I think, you know, with a lot of people out there, there's kind of new to CO2 equivalents and emissions. You know, scope one and two, obviously, as you were stating, is directly associated with the manufacturer. So it's not easy, but it's not as far as scope three. And it's come through, you start to get out into the supply chain. So you have to drive down into all of those individual lanes, modes, legs, et cetera. So it can appear to be daunting at first, but it's not impossible. Going deeper into that scope three, I know we can get in the weeds pretty quickly with it, but that high level overview, what is scope three emissions and why is it, I guess, why is there such a significance on the fact that you know, the Governor Newsom has, you know, put that legislation in specifically around scope three. Well, you know, one of the things I like, um, well, I shouldn't say like, I think, again, ironic about the whole thing as well, too, is that, you know, you have the big multinationals based in California that have signed on to this. Apple, Google, uh, Microsoft, they're huge. They got market capitalizations bigger than most countries, you know, in the world. And so they're well equipped uh, to kind of report on these pieces. But I think what the significance is, is that when they defined big, they went down to the billion dollar. And, you know, billions might sound big, but it's not big in terms of resources to be able to apply to scope three. And, you know, like I said earlier, scope three is where you're starting to get into supply chain. So you have to drill down all the lanes, drill down all the modes, drill down all the legs to determine the emissions that you're actually having on that particular lane for that particular day and be able to report to them accordingly by, you know, the standards that are out there, the Global Logistics Emission Council standards. So I guess when you go out to a shipper, like, so I'm sure you guys are going to get a couple phone calls here from uh, large shippers or large companies in California asking for help with this. Um, how do you kind of assess a shipper's readiness for this, you know, with like, or is it kind of a meet them where they are at? Or is it kind of a let's see where you're at? And then um, how do you kind of get them on board to comply with some of these new legislations? Because I'm sure it's only a matter of time before other states adopt similar pieces of legislation. So what kind of how do you get someone on board? And then kind of how what kind of challenges do you face in getting them to comply with some of these new regulations? Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting uh, question because, you know, we're not going out and enforcing like CO2 mandates as a 4PL provider. You know, our customers are coming to us for it. And like I was stating earlier, we've been doing this for five years and um, collectively it was kind of a yawn <laughs> until about a year ago when things started really perking up. And I think people got serious about reporting on this. So 
In terms of California and the shippers out there, the, the whole thing around it is being able to establish a baseline based around a global framework. And the best ones out there right now is what I mentioned earlier, the Global Emiss Emissions Council Framework and the ISO 14083 framework as well. And if you look at these things, it's going to make your head spin. But I can kind of tell you, if from the past five years, if a mistakes is in education, then we have PhDs right now in terms of what to look out for and what not to do. So I think it is going to be incumbent upon these shippers to start kind of getting their act together, at least start to try to report a baseline out there that's in accordance with these standards. Because it's going to come down the pike center later. They're not going to start stop with $1 billion. It's going to go down to the S&B, the small to medium-sized business market space pretty soon. I 100% agree. It's I think it's easier to kind of, this might not be the best word choice, but kind of make guinea pigs out of those multi-billion dollar companies because, you know, they, they have a better chance of having the resources available to go and get this reporting and do all this data um, and, you know, kind of, pave the way and set the set the set the road for everyone else to follow. Um, because if you go down to a small to medium sized shipper, you know, they probably don't have they don't have they're not getting a billion dollars a year. They have a much smaller revenue spend. So it's going to be a little harder for them to be the ones paving the way versus, you know, your multinational companies where they're probably already have something with the, uh, in compliance with it, especially if they're doing stuff over in the EU. It's just a matter of getting it over here and the uh, the states. Yeah, it, you know, the, the other thing with, with that too, Mary, what I found so interesting about the uh, the Wall Street Journal art, uh, article is that, and again, I don't call out companies, but this is Wall Street Journal saying this. Uh, they were comparing uh, Apple to Samsung. And, you know, when you look at, measure it from like scope one and scope two, uh, Apple looks like they have almost a net zero, <laughs> whereas I think Samsung was like 200 times higher. But now you start throwing into scope three and it's going to change the dynamic a little bit. So I, I don't know. I mean, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect even the large shippers that are well-funded are going to have a little bit of difficulty of collecting it because they are going to require this information from their outsourced trading partners to be able to do that, whether it's for PL or directly from their carriers. SMBs are definitely going to have an issue with it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. I think especially as you get further down the supply chain, you know, those carrier, maybe some of those partners that still use um, dot matrix printers or fax things or some of those that aren't necessarily fully on board with the tech side of things, I think it's going to get a little harder for them to, you know, capture stuff and report on what they have. Um, so I'm curious as to kind of what the future for those hold, especially if you know, this type of reporting comes out, um, they're going to have to do something or if uh, there's some sort of exemption that comes around as a result of this. So I think there's quite a big landscape ahead, um, just like we see with everything in transportation. I'm sure there will be many challenges at many different iterations of it as we uh, continue on the 
the new frontier that is uh, carbon emissions disclosures. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we <laughs> we have customers across that spectrum uh, as well, too. The ones who do use dot matrix and their ERP system is Excel, <laughs> you know, and you have it all up. I think I read an interesting statistic. Maybe uh, maybe you guys published this at Freight Waste that about 70, 60 to 70% of our supply chain operations is still managed on Excel. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge as these guys start converting over to some very sophisticated reporting requirements uh, as it relates to CO2. As someone who would literally get like um, a week and a half's worth of shipments sent to her via Excel, it's... I, I, I'm really hoping that transportation kind of like goes from like the like the early 2000s, late 1990s to what we're in now. I really hope that we just kind of skip forward about 20 years because that would speed things up significantly. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, occasionally we do say stuff like, hey, we're going to drag them kicking and screaming into the 1990s. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, what uh, necessity is some other invention maybe this is one of those moments where those changes where it's going to force you know shippers uh especially in the supply chain operations to adapt a little bit more sophisticated technology and sophisticated uh, reporting uh, skills as well i'm not saying you need to go get like a 10 million dollar tms i'm just saying maybe maybe stop running your supply chains on excel Ooh, i don't feel like that's too i don't much. think that's too much to ask for so I guess from because like you said, you guys have really started taking on this and, you know, kind of being that advocate and helping shippers and other customers alike to get through these uh, SO, not SO2, CO2 <laughs> emissions. Um, why is the 4PL such a unique advantage? Like, why do you guys have that unique position of being like, you know, the best person to turn to in this type of situation. Yeah. And I want to make sure this is not a, a sheer advertisement. I want to make sure I speak to it from a 4PL perspective, uh, because for a 4PL to offer a true managed transportation solution, you're going to have to have some very sophisticated technology uh, behind the scenes because you own the network at that point. Uh, you're doing purchase order fulfillment. Uh, you're managing thousands of inbound suppliers all the way through the sales order going outbound to the customer. You have the data, you have the lanes, you have the legs. So that puts a tech-enabled 4PL in a very good position to start converting over to start uh, um, being able to provide this type of reports to their customers there. I really like the point that you said that, you know, you're a managed transportation provider and you're, you're, as I think something that a lot of people forget is that it's more than just, you know, you're sitting there taking their freight and booking it on someone else and you're kind of managing the network and everything like that. I think a lot of people forget that. No, you are the full solution for managed transportation. You are there from those purchase orders to the invoices that get paid at the end. Like you are there for the entire life cycle of each load. And I mean, now, why shouldn't that include the emissions that come from it as well? And it should. <clears throat> and you're absolutely right. I, I think, you know, sometimes uh, in the industry, you get maybe some brokers who manage uh, a few lanes dedicated and they advertise themselves as a managed transportation provider, and they're not. It's, uh, it's cradle to grade all the way to, like you're saying, um, you know, to the invoicing process and close it out on the financial back end. Absolutely. So, you know, before, you know, 4PLs have always acted as a trusted advisor to their shipper community saying, hey, 
doing optimization studies. This is the best place to put a cross dock. Uh, this is the best way to lower your transportation spend, uh, slicing and dicing financial data, accruals, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's going to be a natural transition to not only start reporting those transportation savings, but also to start reporting your CO2 equivalent savings as well. At the very start, it's going to be the baseline, and then it's going to transition into savings after that. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, if I'm a shipper and I've outsourced my entire transportation to my 4PL and I'm going to go, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to take any of that back on myself because then I have to hire a whole other team. And then why do I have this team plus my 4PL? So I'm just going to turn to them and say, okay, well, what does this new regulation mean for me? What does this mean? What does this mean? What do I have to do? And in theory, if I have a strong 4PL partnership, they'll say, we already have your solution. Here's what we're going to do. We've already implemented it. Are you cool with this? And that way you're already coming with that solution and kind of heading it off. Because that way it shows, you know, we know what we're talking about. We're up so we're up to date on the industry. And, you know, we've got your back. It's that true partnership. And it, to me, that seems like it would be much harder to walk away from that partnership and find someone else, um, especially if, you know, your current partner literally has your back covered. You know, I think you just defined it with those bullet points uh, right there, especially the one. I like what you just said that, uh, you know, we know the industry, we know these standards, and most importantly, uh, we got your back because it is a true partnership. And with, you know, our, more of our advanced shipper community, um, that shipper customers that we work with, it is a true partnership in doing these things and doing these CO2 calculations. And so it just enhances that partnership just that much more. It really does. And I think that especially as, you know, anyone in a down market, they're getting phone calls constantly about, oh, do you want to come with us? Like, we're going to save you 10% right off the bat, but we're not going to tell you how we do it. We're just going to make this empty promise. Um, I think that that is, you know, it's just a stronger foothold to be like, why would I leave? Like, what I have here is good. I have that. All of my needs and then some are being met. And the point where I don't even have to think about it. Like if there's new legislation, they've got my back. I don't have to worry about it. It does make you wonder how much of the shipper community actually is aware of that legislation as well, too. So I think it's uh, that transition is going to be a, an interesting dynamic here over the next few months. So kind of as we kind of navigate this new this new reporting situation um, or pretty much any time that we have some new legislation on carbon emissions reporting, um, what kind of resources and organizations should shippers turn to for help? If they don't have a strong 4PL or 3PL partner, if they're trying to manage it on their own, where should they start? Uh, should it just be find a tech-enabled managed transportation provider? Or should it be kind of something that, you know, I can go to Google and look for this specific resource? Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to go to Google yet. Uh, maybe a couple of years from now or maybe a year from now. Uh, the, uh, the thing that I would look at is just not any tech-enabled uh, 4PL to do this. I would, probably would invite uh, the shipper to really educate themselves on this uh, before they go out uh, and really trying to solicit a, a 4PL. And they can always go to GLEC, the Global Logistics Emission Council. And, you know, I'm not a paid sponsor. You know, this is a volunteer organization. Smart Freight Center is out there. They can download part of the standards uh, if they want to. They can go to ISO and download the 14083 standards. They can go out there and download even the reporting accountability standards. I will tell you, once they do that, it's going to be a deer in the headlights. But, you know, they can 
they can at least bring off snips of information in terms of what they should be getting in terms of reporting back from their four PLs and be able to embed that in some sort of bid and be able to question that to make sure they're getting the right four PL that can not only handle the transportation needs going forward, but also their CO2 equivalents going forward as well, too, and the reporting aspects of it. I think that's a really good point, because if you're going out to shop out a 4PL or a 3PL, or if you're going out to shop out a managed transportation service, you know, you should be able to say, OK, well, what are you going to do for me for my transportation costs? How are you going to make keep my network running efficiently? And now you can add on, well, how are you going to, you know, track these emissions? And I think if you get you come across someone that's like, what are you talking about? We don't need to, you know, handle this type of thing or that we don't have to worry about that. It does only applies to California. I think that kind of almost speaks volume for what kind of provider and how proactive they're going to be um, on your behalf in the future. Exactly. And like we were talking about, it's almost to be able to report scope three. Uh, any shipper is going to need a 4PL to be able to provide it. Unless they're a mom and pop running the same lane on every single day, maybe they'll be able to be success- successful that way. But it's going to come down to that piece. Um, I would say a little bit on the geek side as well. I noticed there's a little bit of divergence between the ISO 14083 and GLAC standards. You know, now uh, ISO 14083 doesn't even recognize scopes. They just call it direct and indirect. And so indirect is scope three now, and scope one, scope two is going to direct. I just I just noticed that here in the past few weeks. So whether you call it direct, indirect, or scope one, scope two, scope three, the indirect scope three emissions reporting piece is going to be very hard and challenging, but not impossible to report against. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot and it's gonna seem daunting at first, but at the same time, the number one thing that I always stress whenever you're doing anything around sustainability and ESG initiatives is just just start. You don't have to be perfect overnight. It's not an all or nothing approach. Just start. And maybe you only get, what is it? It's almost October. Maybe you only get like two more, two months or two or three months out of this year. Okay, cool. That's two or three months that you have to start and improve on for next year. Maybe you only get half a quarter's worth of data. But if you just start, then I think that that kind of almost removes that fear of needing to be perfect or, oh, you're going to mess it up. I think that kind of takes that, that, fear away from it and makes it something that you can actually accomplish. Yeah, I mean, that's the way we approached it internally. Again, like I said, you know, we, we've been doing this for five years. And if you look at at GLUT, they measure CO2 reporting in three different categories, accepted, acceptable, good, and excellent. And the acceptable is used in a lot of defaults that GLUT provides for you out there. And in being able to go in and do a default by the GLUT standard uh, is doable using if you have the broad network data out there. But, you know, now we're trying to strive to get, you know, our customers uh, at a shoe perspective up to the good and excellent categories. And um, so it's always a transformation. Now, I I think being able to provide something that's sufficient from a benchmarking perspective is great. But, you know, if you're starting to go down to like, you know, fuel sustainability programs or carbon offsets, so you do need to get up to good or excellent in terms of reporting because, you know, with the defaults, um, it can overestimate uh, the CO2 occasion. So if you're using carbon credits, you're paying more than what you should be paying for. So it's always going to be a little, it's going to be a start and an evolution, but you're going to start down a journey on a path uh, with this. Exactly. It's like, you know, professional baseball players once upon a time were a kid hitting a baseball off a tee. And then over time, you get better and better. It's just a matter of starting 
And if you make some mistakes, you make some mistakes. Like, you know, there's there's no fines attached to anything. They just want you to start. And I think that's a really good approach to take to this. Um, we are almost running out of time, though. So everyone that comes on the show has to answer this question. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, wow. Okay. That's a really good one. I, I, I will say this. Uh, when I, you mentioned a baseball game, okay? When I go to a baseball game, I buy a hot dog, not a sandwich. So it's, it's a hot dog. However, I will say this. With good technology and integration platform, you can leave from a shipper as a hot dog and arrive to a customer as a sandwich if we need to. At least in the description. <laughs> That's a pretty good point there. It, it could you, you could have that evolution, um, but I also am team it's not a hot dog. Because also, when you go to the baseball game and get the hot dog, you don't walk up to the hot dog guy and go, can I have a hot, can I have a sandwich, please? They're just going to say, you can have a hot dog. You know, we're going to get some hate on this because this is a raging debate on the internet a couple of years ago. So. <laughs> that, that it is, it is. And people have very strong opinions on it. Um, and, you know, that's okay. Everyone's allowed to have their own opinions. And um, as long as they're just eating hot dogs or sandwiches, whatever they want to call them. Um so if anyone has, uh, if anyone wants to challenge your uh, hot dog as a sandwich opinion, or they have questions about, you know, where do they even start with, you know, implementing some kind of ESG or having some scope three emissions, where can they find you outside the show? Sharelogistics.com. Uh, so and can always reach out to me personally. I'll be glad to share the landmines that I've seen out there. And uh, I have a passion about this. So be glad to uh, share whatever I can with anybody. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. Rob's DMs are open and he has promised at least a funny story. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mary. Have a good day. Find Check Call the Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts such as Loaded and Rolling and Great Quarter Gals. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com. See you on the internet.